Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And today's episode is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane player props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Get in on the action. Use promo code THEORY. This is the last week for this one. So if you gamble at all, use code THEORY. Double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code THEORY and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Of course, I am joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Dan, what is going on? Man, stoked for week four here. It's that time of uh, the year where people are deciding whether they're contenders or pretenders. And I know we're going to have some fun talking about that tonight. You know, contenders like my Lakers. I know I'm a little bit off topic with basketball, but they are a contender and I'm excited. And, you know, the COVID mask, because I think we're going to talk about COVID tonight, unfortunately. But let's go, guys. I'm ready. I was about to cut you off. Yeah, I'm all about basketball. That's fine. There's a time and place for it. And Mitch, we've talked about it. Dan, I like the Lakers. I like the Yankees. There's a theme with the teams. No, no, I do not like the Yankees. Come on. Yeah, dude. yeah, you don't, us. don't throw anyway, that in there. We're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's Dino MC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? Like, honestly, today sucked as far as, like, football went. As soon as that Titans news came out this morning regarding COVID, it was just like, oh, hopefully it doesn't start now. You know, I'm holding out hope that it's an isolated thing, but. Yeah, it definitely worries me. And that was the the reason the behind the name of this episode. It was the best of times. You know, we have a football season. We're three weeks in. Everything's been great. And then it was the worst of times. And Dan, I thought we were going to have to talk Mitch, you know, talk some sense into him because he was getting kind of gloomy earlier. We were talking back and forth in, in the group chat. He's like, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out right now because of this whole COVID stuff. Can't panic. We, I think we talked about this. 20 episodes ago when we were at uh, the beginning of COVID there, we did expect some outbreaks, Mitch. We knew it could mm-hmm. happen. It's only one, you know, one to four teams tops that have been impacted by this. The NFL turned it around quick with good news and says they plan on playing Monday night. So hopefully no, no more curveballs between now and Monday night. Monday night. It sounds like that's the contingency plan. That's the last resort. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I was talking about this with somebody I'm wondering if at any point during the season we ever see like a random Tuesday game because the way things might get pushed around. Because if you have a Sunday game or even a Thursday game and it gets pushed, the only alternative in my mind is you reschedule it for a later week. And Dan, you talked about this. Oh, well, it's an early bye week. Sure. But then you got to start rearranging other team schedules and trying to figure out where the bye weeks work in. And it's just like a big puzzle to me trying to figure out where all of those fit. And Mitch, you and I talked about it, and we're not even going to try to speculate what's going to happen because none of us know, even though some people that we've talked to, they're fairly certain they know exactly how this situation that has never happened in the history of the NFL is going to play out, right? Yeah, yeah, they have it all worked out, but you even follow all the different NFL reporters, and they're all reporting something different, especially this morning. It was, oh, um, Titans can't go into the building till Saturday. And then it turned into, well, the Steelers are completely, they were told they're not going to play. And then they were told a minute later that they're going to play. And so there was just so much back and forth. But I think like Dan brought up now, it sounds like it's probably going to be Monday, especially as far as the Titans and Steelers are concerned. I think Vikings and Texans, hopefully that just goes off without a hitch. But the good thing about the Titans and Steelers, that's somehow it works out in the schedule to where it's actually a really easy game for them to reschedule. The way that the bye weeks work, somehow I think the Steelers play the Ravens and they could just flip that game to week eight and it ends up working out okay. So that would be amazing if this was like the only hiccup we have. Hopefully that's all that it is. And I, it, it seems like the NFL, they have things 
handled fairly well given the circumstances and the situation. It seems like they really jumped on this quickly. Boom, shutting the facility down in Tennessee. Boom, Minnesota, they're that's shut down as well for the time being, at least, right? Until mm-hmm. all the tests come back. So it sounds like they're taking the right steps. The the NFL referees, they're not only going to get tested, they're yep. but they're out for you know week four. So as fans of the game, as fantasy players, some might say degenerates at time, but I think that should give us hope, even though Dan and Mitch, you were much more optimistic than I was. I was a Debbie Downer during the offseason. And and you two, you, you know, I, I don't want to give you too much credit, but you talked a little bit of sense into me. Hey, this this supports Mitch and I's case uh, way back when, when we said the NFL is on top of this. I, I know you had some concerns about what the NFL was doing, John, and it sounds like the NFL and the organizations have backup plans. For them to shut down the Tennessee facilities, they've got to be going somewhere to prepare for Monday night. So I'd really be interested to hear more of the details of, you know. I, I thought everything was removed for the week. I thought I saw that there was no face-to-face interactions for them. I, I could be misquoting here. But how do you practice without – how do you play Monday night without practice? That, that's, that's, that's the thing is as of right now, as far as everything I've read, is the Titans will not have any practice time until Saturday at the earliest. And wow. so that's why I don't see the Sunday game happening. I mean, right now it's scheduled for Sunday. I don't see it happening. Monday night's probably going to be the earliest. And if they are the Sunday games, I, I tweeted out somewhat of a silver lining. They're both one o'clock. So we, we at least know what's going to happen there in terms of, okay, the game is being played at one. If it's not, maybe, you know, let's say you're in a deeper league and you have a Corey Davis and you're not really sure exactly what's going to happen. Maybe you can pivot off of that. Now, if you have a Derrick Henry, I would assume that you're still going to keep him in your lineup. If I had a bet money on this, we'll know by Thursday. As NFL is led by fantasy football and gambling. We know that's why it's the most popular sport there is. So with the gambling aspect of it, the NFL is going to be pretty far in front of it. I think I don't, I actually saw some talk on Twitter. I was like, well, what if they cancel last second? That's not, they're not going to cancel the game two hours before it starts over COVID. They're going to cancel it on Friday because they have to make huge arrangements. Like you guys said, it's not just the teams have to change. It's all the rest of the teams on the schedule might have to change. And so, you know, moving forward, it's, I think we'll get a little bit of headway as far as canceling games goes. Dan, let me ask you a question because you've been on that side. You've been a coach. FF coach Dan. You know, the coach isn't in there just, you know, all willy-nilly here. Now, you're you're a coach of the Tennessee Titans. You have not practiced all week. Would you tell fantasy players, hey, may, maybe pump the brakes on us a little bit. Maybe we're not as prepared as we should be. Because you know these NFL coaches, they talk directly to the fantasy owners. Yeah, we, we know Coach Rabel is thinking about us fantasy owners right yeah. now. You, you know, we would have... Pre- I don't think we want to hear his words if we asked him that question right now. But, uh, you know, I do know as from being a coach, you want to be in control of absolutely everything. So this has got to be killing these coaches not to be going through their normal routine and schedule in preparation for game day with maybe the only saving grace is the other teams got to be doing the same thing. So you're on a level playing field. But we've seen all the injuries that happened this year. And I know in the NFL, I mean, they scale back. They don't really pick things up till I think, Wednesday. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, hitting or tackling going on during the week. But there is a lot of coordination. You know, you look at these teams that are still trying to, you know, bring along young players, have communication. We've seen all the injuries that have happened. I'd definitely be concerned about breakdowns on Monday night with a poor week of preparation. I'd be concerned, hey, we talk about Corey Davis. He's, you know, exceeding expectations, but he's got an injury history. You take him out of his routine, uh, what could happen? So so I'd be concerned about those two things right now, and maybe that's something for us to be preparing for. You know, I don't think you bench a Derrick Henry by any means, but, you know, maybe I like Tannehill more if I think the other team's secondary is going to break down and there's, the, you know, they have, I'll have to evaluate how young the rosters are on the secondary and O-lines where communication is very important. So let me ask you guys about this because you brought up Tannehill and I think that's a good point. We talk about a lot of super flex and two quarterback dynasty leagues. Where is your threshold? And I'm kind of putting you guys on the spot here where you're comfortable sliding him into your starting lineup. So I don't know if you want to pull, you know, maybe like weekly rankings up or something real quick. So but, are we saying like based on if it plays on Sunday? Just based on the fact they were assuming and what we know, they're not going to practice and have, you know, that face-to-face interaction throughout the week. So because I, I would think it would drop slightly, not to mention they're playing 
the Steelers. Yeah. So the one thing I'll add is I think this, if they do play on Sunday or even Monday night on little practice, the Steelers offense is really good. Ben looks awesome. All the wide receivers look really good. They're going to put up a lot of points on that Titans defense, especially if they can't prepare for the Steelers. And so I think that would immediately make uh, Tannehill a fine start because he's going to have to play catch up mode. Derrick Henry. It's, I mean, he's not going to be out of my lineup, but I'm not going to feel good about it. I would list him probably as a very low end RB two if this is how it goes. But I mean, he's in your lineup. It's not like there's going to be anybody else you feel comfortable putting it over him. Miles, look at that. Like just, just thoughts on that game too, Mitch. If there's two better teams to be equipped for this, it probably is the Steelers and Titans. There's a lot of cohesion. You have two three and O teams or three and O for a reason. A lot of them's played together, played a while together. I think I'd be more concerned, Mitch, with the Titans. Uh, who's on their inactive list? You know, who was impacted by this COVID? Are they going to be missing some guys? Um, you know, does that affect their special teams or certain units? So I'd be keeping a close eye on who may be out for Tennessee. But I think both of these teams have veteran teams that play together a little bit and could overcome a little bit of lack of practice time. Dan, I'm glad you brought that up. So there was a tweet, and it looks like – where was that? Because I sent it to you, Mitch. It was uh, uh, defensive tackle Daquan Jones, long snapper Bo Brinkley, and tight end Joe Tommy Hudson. <laughs> I, 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 I had to worry. Easy, easy, yeah. John Bauer. Yeah, yeah. no, John, who's still there, and I said it correctly, but they're going to be on the reserve slash COVID nineteen list. So it sounds like those are the three players impacted as of now, and we'll see how this week progresses. So fantasy wise, you know, we don't want to see anybody get sick but fantasy wise it really shouldn't have much of an impact from a personnel standpoint so long story short mitch dan neither of you are really too concerned and you have a timeout did you say daquan jones jb i did so so just that's their starting nose tackle for the titans does that boost james connor maybe you know that could could potentially be a hit mitch do you have anything Uh, i was gonna add so I played a lot of Connor and DFS this last week, right? I mean, we don't talk about DFS a lot, but I did start him. And the one thing is he got 20 snaps, but they rotate him out a lot. And they're more than willing to also take him out on the goal line. He's someone to wear right now in Dynasty. If I could trade him for Kenyon Drake, maybe. Um, can't be. I would normally say Chris Carson, but I can't see that. Maybe Austin Eckler. I could see that trade actually happening now. I would. No, no, nobody's going to accept James Conner for Austin Eckler. I don't know. Looking on Twitter today, everyone is still in love with Chris Carson. They were saying, or sorry, James Conner. They were saying trade James Conner for Joe Mixon. And I'm like, y'all are drunk. That's never going to happen. But, the, but see, and here's my issue. And we'll kind of get into this a little bit more probably. But the people saying that are people that don't have James Conner on the roster. They play in one league and are t- given dynasty advice, something like that. Yeah. I mean, John, could could Mitch be the negative one here in this case? Because there are people really down on Joe Mixon right now. They've been questioning the Bengals play calling. His stats are down for a few weeks. The impatient owner that saw Conner had a big game. They might, you might be able to get Joe Mixon. Maybe not from a savvy guy like yourself, but that impatient person who is frustrated with Joe Mixon and the Bengals coaching staff. So I could in, try in re, again. In redraft, maybe. In Dynasty, I don't think that's going to happen. Definitely not Austin Eckler. I will say last week, Very I good. tried to trade for Joe Mixon. Every league that I thought he was acquirable in, I did not get, get him on one roster. I couldn't get one trade done. So maybe it changed after because, you know, the week three was going to be the big week that he went off and it didn't happen again. So maybe I could try again, but so far I haven't seen him moved in any leagues, really. Well, if you think about him, we're kind of getting sidetracked, but that's all right. If you think about Joe Mixon, he really has never outperformed expectation, and he's still a top 10 dynasty running back up up to his fourth year here. And he really, and I, I like Joe Mixon, the football player. I really do. I think he's, you know, maybe not underutilized because he's on the field a lot, but I think they're utilizing him in the wrong manner. I don't think they're maximizing his versatility and involving him in the passing game. But I, yeah, I, I think people are still valuing him on the name alone. Okay, I so really I, I could actually segue this. Watch this. I'm going to do a little bit of John Bauer stuff here. Ooh, let's so see we bring up Joe Mixon, youngest running back who has always stayed 
in the first or second round just based off name alone pretty much in draft capital. How about we were asked this week about James Robinson. James Robinson is a back who is super young with no draft capital, but you can't get him in a league right now for less than a 2021 first. If he goes and has a pretty good year, it let's just say he's a top 15 running back by the end of the year. He'll end up going in the third round of startups. Like if you could get a young running back that looks like he's going to have the job moving forward, that's how high they're going to go. Joe Mixon is there because his name is Joe Mixon. It's not there based off his talent. It's not there based off situations been horrible the last two years, and he still gets drafted that high. Well, I like that segue, and let's let's get right into the listener question. So the premise of tonight's episode, the format is kind of a question and answer. So we got a, a ton of tweets coming at us, and anybody in the live chat, if you want to drop something in there, you know, we'll, we'll be more than happy to talk about it. Uh, Zach Jones, 10, just said, I just traded Robinson for Shark Plus, moving up a couple picks in the second. And I think that's really solid value. But talking about James Robinson, it's a really interesting dynamic because, Mitch, you mentioned where you think he could go. Let's say he finishes running back 15 in PPR this season. In early off-season startups next year, that's going to be interesting because you're going to have some startups where he slips because, hey, it's James Robinson, draft capital, it's the Jaguars, the dysfunction. We're not really sure how it's going to play out moving forward. But then you're going to have some formats or some startups where people pull that trigger super early and he goes in the fourth round because he was a top 15 running back. And then we're going to see how it pays off after free agency, after the NFL draft. And Mitch, we, we've taken part in Dan. I think you were in a few with us as well, where we took part in startups that included rookies even before the NFL draft. And obviously at that point, it's a lot of speculation, but it's going to be just as much speculation with James Robinson after what we've seen so far. So one of the questions, and this popped up from several people, Dan, I want to start with you. James Robinson, is he the real deal? Are we looking to acquire him? Are we looking to move him? What are your overall thoughts on James Robinson? Because I don't think for him, it's a clear buy and sell. I think there's a really broad spectrum here. What's nice is he got a, good up-close look at James Robinson in the Dolphins game. And I know they're only playing the Dolphins, but he um, he passed the eye test for me there. You know, he was able to make runs on his own, uh, you know, yard creation. He showed vision. He showed effort. Uh, he definitely looked like a building block for the Jacksonville Jaguars for next season. And, you know, I'm happy you said the word dysfunction, JB, because I'm trying to sort through my feelings there on the Jags, the Bengals. I, I keep going back and forth like uh, – some wishy-washy relationship here on, J on Joe Mixon. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of buying in Joe Burrow and this team, eventually this head, young head coach figuring out how to run this offense and not, you know, he's got to let go of the Rams. This isn't the Rams anymore. You know, he, he's building this team differently. But uh, I like Robinson. I, I, I think he showed enough. And if he can continue to do that over the course of this season, to Mitch's point, he, he's going to be a, someone we look at in the third round. And we'll be watching very closely to see who the Jaguars draft next year to hopefully put some more pieces and go in the right direction. My issue with the Jags is, you know, all the talent that they seem to get, they seem to trade away. And they always seem to be in rebuild mode and can never get ahead. So, you know, at what point do the Jaguars or the Bengals turn the corner and utilize this talent? Now, James Robinson, DynastyLeagueFootball.com has a great resource. And if you're subscribed there, you're able to look at their trade finder. And this is something I love to look at because constantly, hey, Mitch, what do you think so-and-so should be going for? Well, here's what he actually went for. So there has been one trade in their database since Friday. And that tells me a few things. One, well, the, the main thing, his buy and sell values are so far apart right now. So the one trade, this is, uh, I believe it was on Friday, Joshua Kelly, James Robinson, Darius Slayton, for Jalen Hurts, Darwin Thompson, Demir Bird, 2021 first, 2022 first, and 2021 second. That, so that was a mouthful. Essentially, Kelly Robinson Slayton for a 21 first, a 22 first, and a 21 second. I actually, if I'm a contender, I don't hate that if that's going to be a late first. I really don't. Mitch, what are your thoughts here? So isolating just James Robinson, I think you're comfortable paying a late first if you're a contender. 
Yeah. So I think you're in this league as well. I'm not sure if Dan's in this one, but I saw James Robinson traded straight up for Jerry Judy today. I mean, that's a mid first value and that's something that we're just going to see. There's going to be people who have the rookie wide receivers who haven't really performed. They see James Robinson getting 20 points a week and they're going to trade the way their future form. And I'm okay with it. I would rather just move my first and not someone like Jerry Judy, CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, any of those guys, I would rather just trade a random first at this point. Cause I think he's going to be, you're going to be able to get him for that because people picked him up off fab two weeks ago. So I actually might try to go tonight and see how many leagues I could pick him up in for a 2021 first. Cause I bet I'm probably turned down in 60% of them. The, the one league that we're in, Dan, what do you think about this? James Robinson, for a 2021 <laughs> first, a 2021 second, and Blake Jarwin, or so that was a first, second Jarwin for Robinson, or Swift in a second. That was an offer sent to us. <laughs> I, I still like the pedigree in a, a DeAndre Swift. I, you know, I, I I can't go there. I think to your point of a late first, like if I know that I have a team set to win this year and my first is going to be at the very end of that first but you know more likely than not i might find a deal there that could help my running back situation if i need it outside of that i'm not going there you know you mentioned jerry judy mitch i, I mean i like james rob james robinson from what i've seen on film but this is a very small sample size on a very weak organization i, I don't want to trade him for an elite jerry judy i mean that, that guy could be a superstar in a couple of years so you tread carefully there right I, I agree, though, with Mitch and Dan, you as well. The Jerry Judys, the CeeDee Lambs, the, you know, the, those players that, you know, Justin Jefferson's, I'm not going to move those. What about Henry Ruggs, guys? If you're a contender, would you move Henry Ruggs straight up for James Robinson? I asked that because one person reached out to me and I said, if you're a contender, I'm fine with that. And if things go haywire and... James Robinson does what we expect. And you, you know, let's say that you have a few injuries pop up. I think you could actually get more for James Robinson. And Dan was so upset he just dropped off the stream. I'm very positive he closed his browser. I watched him. You can see his arm movement. He's like, click. <laughs> Dan, how many times are you gonna hit that button? <laughs> I don't know what I hit there. I must have had like a flashback of that bad Henry Ruggs take I had uh, I don't know how many months ago there where you know, I really bolstered him. So on the Ruggs question, we actually have a question in the chat about Regor for Robinson too. They were both late first. So that's where I would consider Robinson a value there. So I would be willing to trade both um, Regor, Rager and Ruggs for Robinson. And again, this is if you, if you think you're a contender. Mm-hmm. You know, I have teams. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll get into this. It's one of the uh, topics in a little bit. But I have teams that it, it's really tough for us to evaluate our own teams. It really is. But I have teams that I can look at, and they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I might have snuck in a lucky win here or there these first three weeks, but I'm 11th out of 12 in points scored. So guess what? Things have to be done. So that's a league where I'm not going to move a Jalen Rager. I'm not so- going to move a Jefferson. And Ruggs, admittedly, I was a little bit lower on him. But I do think that you could get more than just rugs for James Robinson today. So here is a perfect example of a league to do it in. I bet a lot of our listeners are in the DLF Safe Leagues Champ Series leagues to where after three years, there's that $1,000 pot at the end that you could win. Those leagues, I'm getting James Robinson because you want to win in that three-year window. If it doesn't work out, you could rebuild in the next two years to get yourself positioned for year four to six. That's how you're going to want to navigate those leagues. So if you take your shot year one and you end up winning it, then you're in great shape moving forward. If you take your shot and it doesn't work out, then you could still rebuild and get ready for the next pot. So that's a type of league, an empire league. Those are leagues that I want James Robinson in. That's a really good point. And Dan, I'm going to throw this to you. Zach says, dynasty darling running backs. Do you want, and this is why I threw it to you, Dan. You're going to struggle with this one, I think. Do you want Antonio (laughs) Gibson or James Robinson in dynasty? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the conviction of the guys that I really like. You know, I'm gonna put Gibson as the guy I had conviction on. I I, I think he is legit. Um, I want him on my roster in Dynasty for years to come. The same thing like Judy. You know, we were sold on him. Rugs and Rieger are guys 
you know, you don't have that same conviction. So if the situation's right, I would roll the dice there if the situation's right. Now, I do have a tipping point. I'm not going to move DeAndre Swift in a second. And, right. yeah, that's and, and, and the gentleman that offered that trade, I responded. I said, I, I respect that offer just because there are people that would, in fact, pay that. There really are. So I, I couldn't knock the offer just because, like I said, there are people out there. I'm not one of them. But, you know, I think it was a, a fair shot on his end. And then the first, second, and Jarwin doesn't swing it too much for me, but I can't spend a first and second. Now, last Wednesday, I did acquire him for a second and third. So I got to pat myself on the back there. You're not getting him for a second and third today. That would be laughed at. Now, before we transition to a little bit of quarterback conversation, uh, Miles Gaskin, same exact situation as James Robinson. He's getting a bulk of the workload. Um, you know, a strong success rate on the ground. He's getting 70% plus of the running back opportunities. Of course, his price is going to be slightly different. But really quick, guys, Miles Gaskin, what are your thoughts here? Mitch? I think you could get him for a second right now. I think if you send a second out, most teams, I mean, there's going to be teams that aren't going to be able to do it just because how their running back situation is. But I think in most leagues, you'll be able to do it. And I think you should. This Dolphins offense is actually pretty good. And they're going to be in games this year, especially like this week. They play against the Seahawks. Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin in this game is going to be amazing. So if you could pick him up before this week, I definitely would because this could be just like James Robinson before week three to where he's a second. Now all of a sudden he's at least a first, if not more. And I don't know if Miles Gaskin will ever hit that first threshold, but I, I do think that if there was somebody that's not really a contender or they have really strong running back depth, maybe you could get a second. Maybe you could move a lesser wide receiver piece for him. But he is somebody, especially if you're in a, a deeper 12-team league where you start 11 or 12 players. If you're in a 14 or 16-team league, Miles Gaskin is a really viable option. 75% snap share in week three, guys. That was sixth among running backs. Dan, Miles Gaskin, you're a contender. Any interest? You're already grimacing. I mean, I'll give you my fourth round pick for him. Maybe a third if, you know, just if I'm really thin at running back. To me, I think he's more of a product of the system, more of the product of just Jordan Howard's not doing anything other than sniping Gaskin's goal line carries. And then uh, Breed is still sort of in the mix. I mean, yeah, the, the overall share is there, Mitch, but I just don't see him creating as much as James Robinson's creating on his own. So I, I see a little bit more of a ceiling for James Robinson moving forward, and I see more of Miami replacing Gaskin next year and going back into a role-player position. So that factors into me a little bit too. You know, you know, hey, would I like him on the bottom of my bench this year? Sure, it gives me an option. But trading for him, I, I think I'm going to lose outcome next year. Yeah, that's a really good point. He could be easily replaced next year because the Dolphins aren't going to spend any picks on wide receivers, more than likely quarterbacks, completely fine. Tight ends, perfect with Kasiki. Running back could be the spot to where they go next year's draft. And we expect them to do that this year. And mm-hmm. they really didn't uh, pay too much attention to it. Obviously, they brought in Brita and they brought in Jordan Howard. But I, if I'm a contender and I need that running back depth, I would be okay securing that spot. He's going to get you. I was a little overambitious last week on Fantasy Football Confidential. I threw the JBG down there. That's what happens whenever I have a few too many beverages. I guaranteed 22 (laughs) fantasy points. But the volume was there, and he still got you 14 to 15 PPR points. If you would have told me coming in 15 points for Miles Gaskin, I think a lot of people would have been happy with that. So if you're in a league that's a little bit deeper, I do think that's a viable option. Before we transition to a quarterback that somebody brought up, we had a question in the chat. How much of an impact and how do we change our quarterback values if you get 0.25 points per completion? Now, in most leagues, if you get a partial point per completion, you're also getting a partial negative point per incompletion. Yeah, that would be my first question. Yes, but it, when you're doing that, so if there's any negative points or even just the positive points, you're going to fade the quarterbacks that have those late, lower passing percentages even more. And it's like when we talk about those leagues where it's plus six for passing touchdowns, those running quarterbacks, they do lose a little bit of value in comparison to the plus four minus two. Joe Burrow would be so highly ranked in the league with 0.25 
per completion. He throws 60 times a game and it's going to continue all year. So that would be the guys that you have to go get. Now I'm not even looking really at the cousins who's going to throw 30 times a game. Even Kyler Murray, who's going to throw 25, 30 times a game. I want Matt, Matt, Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson wouldn't be my number two quarterback. I mean, I would easily have Dak ahead of him. Dan, any, any thoughts there? Anything we didn't cover? You know, I not that we're ever going to highly regard from a seasonal standpoint a Dwayne Haskins or who the quarterback we're going to talk about here shortly, Sam Darnold. But once you start throwing in the negative points per incompletion, positive points per completion, it just separates. I think that's a really good way to kind of separate and make those top tier quarterbacks more important. And it doesn't make the scoring as, as flat. Yeah, we always say be aware of your scoring. If you are, it's going to go a long way. We're seeing that in the Scott Fishbowl now. I'm seeing some teams get toasted with the negative scoring for quarterbacks. So be aware of it and get an edge anywhere you can. I don't want to talk about Scott Fishbowl. I actually had a solid week, but I went into Monday night up eight points. Was it eight or nine? And I had Lamar Jackson, and I went up against his father, Patrick Mahomes, his daddy, (laughs) because he – oh, my goodness – it was, and I went in feeling really confident and, you know, we're, we're in our, our Scott Fishbowl group chat and it was, uh, it was Ethan and myself and we're both kind of talking trash in a friendly manner. And then it got to the point that I just had to say, great game. You got me. Like I couldn't even talk any more trash because Lamar laid the egg. And in that format, he did not score very well. And then Mahomes went off for like 50 points. But anyway, so let's transition to a quarterback that somebody wanted to talk about and they asked about is Sam Darnold. Would you consider him a buy in Superflex and two quarterback formats from dynasty perspective? And we've talked about this countless times, the the possibility of them going in another direction in 2021. But Dan, what are your thoughts here on Mr. Sam Darnold? Can you clarify if this is a clearance sale or are we just looking to buy? If, it, if he's on clearance, John, I might be interested. I, I think you can work a BOGO if you have some friends and family <laughs> coupons. Because, Mitch, you know, it, when you look at my roster ship percentage, Sam Darnold's on a lot of my teams as my third quarterback. I actually am looking to package him and either upgrade a quarterback or really make a run at it. And, yeah, get a little thin at quarterback. But Sam Darnold, especially if you're in a, a minus four for an interception league, he's somebody I can't rely on. And he's not sniffing my starting lineup. So, yeah, Dan, we'll say – a slight discount here. You have a coupon. If the discount's right, you're giving me a coupon, John. You know, I know I'm not targeting him, but if the price is right, I would scoop him up, hoping for a Jets rebuild once Gase is gone. And, you know, looking at him as a quarterback three in, in a roster, I could get, you know, I want to have three quarterbacks in super flex. If I could put him on my bench as my third quarterback and just hope for a rebuild, that would be a little bit intriguing, but I'm not going to pay a lot for him because I have zero confidence in the New York Jets. Um, he, he's he's obviously young and talented, so that that's not going away. The talent, I, I do still believe, is there. I just think he is in the worst situation that I don't know if he'll ever get better. I mean, the Jets have been dysfunctional for a long time, but with the right hire, you could rebuild a little bit quicker in the NFL. Um, it'd have to be price dependent, as you always say. Mitch, what are your thoughts? Let's bounce it over to you. I think you're on mute. You always do this. You always jump on mute. At the I do. Worst time. There you go. At the worst, I, that was an appropriate time, if you ask me. No, that but was the worst time. At what point do we start to worry that he's going to end up being a broken QB? He ends up being David Carr. He ends up being Joey Harrington. Right now, he doesn't look good on the field. Everyone knows that I loved him coming in the draft. I loved him going into this year. And if he has to go through another full year to where they win two games, that he has nobody to throw to. He has a pretty horrible offensive line in front of him. He's running for his life every single game. I don't think I could go out and trade for him. I mean, I don't know if you're getting him for a second. Sure. Or for a guy like T Higgins, maybe if you really need quarterback help, the problem is quarterback is so deep. You don't need to. You could go out and get Cousins and know he'll be a starter for three years and he'll get you 15 points a game. But Darnold can get you negative 15 points a game in most leagues, especially in the safe leagues to where it's minus four for interceptions. He's a guy who I absolutely loved. And like John, I have him on a fair amount of rosters. 
but I won't acquire him in any trades. I just don't see any point to do it with the amount of good quality quarterback depth that we have in the league. Owen in the chat says he was moved in one of his leagues for two seconds and a third, and he thought that was pretty cheap. I, I would pay that. I, I would pay that price. Now, I think you'll see it more often than not if Sam Darnold gets moved. Maybe it's going to be a situation. Don't steal my thunder, Owen. I'm getting there, baby. I'm getting there. But I think there are situations where maybe you move him for a piece that will allow you to win now because if you're moving him for the seconds, they're, they're future assets. So I'd much rather hang on to Darnold. But, Owen, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, what if he ends up on the on the Colts? You know, Owen also threw the Saints in here. But let's say he goes into Indianapolis. And I wanted to bring that up. Dan, I'll throw it over to you here in a second. But when you look at Sam Darnold, I try not to go too stat heavy these days, but there were 23 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks so far in 2020. Sam Darnold has been under pressure 39.4% of those dropbacks. That is only better than Daniel Jones at 41.5%. Darnold's adjusted completion percentage under pressure, 57.7%. It's actually right behind Brady and ahead of Watson and Rodgers. But when he's kept clean... He's tied for 10th in terms of adjusted completion percentage. And another thing that I thought was very interesting, whenever he takes longer than two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball, 39.5% completion percentage. If he gets it out quickly, 78.6. That's incredible. That's actually really good. So the Colts will be a good fit because Rivers, he's actually, I think he's pressured on 20% of his pass attempts this year so far. So let's say Sam Dorno could go there. I do think that's a spot where we could see a little career resurrection. Dan, you were doing all kinds of things over there. So many thoughts going through the head right yeah, now. So, so, so two points on Darnold. One to your statistically. Just think how bad a situation is with the O line. So bad. And he and he doesn't even have receivers to throw to. You know, so when he scrambles, it's dink and duck stuff. It's Jamison Crowder and your boys, guys, Braxton Berrios, those slot receivers that can wiggle their way open and, and he can make some completions. But it does show there is talent there. So if I'm trading for Darnold, I'm trading for the value of the quarterback more than Sam Darnold right now because one of two things are going to happen. Either the Jets are going to be smart and they're going to figure this out and hire a good coach and rebuild, and they're going to resign him. His five-year contract is near over his rookie contract. So you're investing in a guy who's going to be with an organization for a long time and you have job security and a quarterback and you hope the Jets figure it out along the way. Or the Jets, as dysfunctional as they are, do trade Sam Darnold or let him go or whatever the case may be. And he does land at a perfect situation with a well-coached team like the Colts and you just scored a landmine because I think he would be good with the right people. So I think it's one of those two scenarios. It's just in its current state right now, the way our rosters are mostly built competing, you, you have no room for Sam Darnold on your roster. I think there's just as easy as a chance he's Marietta or Winston and he ends up being a backup next year for someone else. I think that's just as likely as him going to, I mean, the Colts, Whoever we want to bring up, just like we bring up running backs. Oh, anyone who goes to Houston, anyone who goes to Tampa Bay, you know, that's what we used to say. Now for quarterbacks, it's going to be anyone that goes to Indianapolis is going to be really good. He might back up Brady in Tampa Bay next year. You know, we just don't know. No, they have to, Josh Rosen now. They have the air. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. To Mitch's point, though, that has to be a concern because how often do you hear those wise people in the NFL say how many NFL quarterbacks just were in the wrong place and then – their career got shot and we'll always believe that Sam Darnold had talent, but his career could have been ruined in New York. We'll see. To answer that question, it doesn't seem like there's too much optimism. Now, of course, if the price is right, I, I think he could be somebody that you could be looking to acquire, but in most situations, I'm actually looking to package him because there's a lot of teams that are zero three. There's a lot of teams that are really low in, in your league scoring for the first three weeks of the season, maybe you could move him and package him together for a team that might be intrigued by him moving forward. And it's going to be very situational. It's going to be, uh, it's going to vary league to league. So, you know, hopefully that helped out a little bit. Next question. Let's get through this one quickly. Guys, do you want to sell high on Kyler Murray? He's looked good. He's moving extremely well. And he's what top six at this point, Mitch, are you looking to sell high? in a super flex or two quarterback format? No, I'm definitely going to keep him on my roster. There's no, he's everything that you want in a quarterback. He's young. He has a great rushing floor each week and he has DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. There's not more you could ask for in that for a quarterback. 
But I will say I'm also not willing to go out and pay the price right now for him because I don't think you could trade Devontae Adams straight up for him at this point. No. And there's just such a small... I mean, he probably gives you a few points per game more than someone like Stafford does. I would love to have Kyler on my team, but I'm also okay just having Stafford if that's who I have. Those quarterbacks, Mahomes, we very well in especially 14-team leagues next year, but even 12-team leagues, we're going to see four quarterbacks possibly go in the top 10 picks, I think, especially with the way we overreact in the way we're looking at running backs. Now, oh, I spent my second overall pick on Saquon Barkley in startups this year. I can't get burned in my startups next year. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to go quarterback. But we're going to see Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, and um, Dak. And then my man, Josh Allen, if he keeps slinging the ball the way he is, woohoo! Russell I, Wilson. He's better than maybe all of them. And I, I'm ashamed at myself that I left him off this list. But yeah, I mean, he was going in the third round of drafts this past year. I mean, so... What a steal. I, what a I steal. Know, right? a steal of the year right now because Russ was let free as much as you guys don't want to hear that saying. But mm-hmm. I, I think there are se- I have seven quarterbacks right now that I have to have at least one of those seven on every roster. You know, you have to have Mahomes or Lamar or a Dak, Russ, Kyler Murray, and, and uh, Josh Allen. I mean, boy, does Buffalo look great. And I keep Deshaun Watson on that list because I just think he's a great talent. What what do you Note guys seven. if you're looking to move Kyler Murray, what would you need to be added to a Deshaun Watson? Because that was an interesting talking point and kind of a pivot during the early stage of the offseason, whenever Hopkins went from Watson to Murray. And I think we kind of saw a flip in perceived value, but now it might be a real thing because Watson, he's not even top 15. He's not top 15 as of now in 2020. I'm not saying he's not top 15. In Dynasty, I know somebody will listen and come back to me. JB, what, what are you smoking? He's not top 15 in Dynasty. It has to be something that significantly improves my team, whether it's a number one draft pick or a, like if I'm my if I'm position weak somewhere and I'm going to get a guy that I know is going to start for the rest of the year for me, that's what's going to take. And, and this goes back, this is becoming a dysfunctional episode for me here because I, I said all offseason how concerned I was about the Texans. And here they are sitting at 0-3. And, and I know their schedule is going to lighten up a, a little bit now. So I do expect some more fantasy points. But I'm just thinking how dysfunctional that locker room is. It's 0-3 right now. You're about to potentially sign Earl Thomas, who, you know, last year was whipping somebody off on the sidelines, his former head coach. This offseason, I mean, my Cowboys, as dysfunctional as they are, don't want Earl Thomas right now to disrupt that locker room. So I'm really concerned what's going on with Houston, and I really feel bad for Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt just watching two Hall of Fame careers potentially uh, just be mired in 500 seasons or playoff failures. We have a question in the chat, sell high on Josh Allen. I really don't think you can because people are still stuck. There are still people on Twitter. Yeah, but, yeah, but. And every Sunday I troll, and you better believe, because I I have the receipts, guys, and I'm not ashamed to take that victory lap. I have a 30% roster ship of Josh Allen in my Superflex and two quarterback leagues where he was dirt cheap coming into his rookie season because nobody wanted him and people were knocking. Guess what? It's okay to say you were wrong because there were plenty of people that were wrong on Josh Allen, but I still don't think you could sell high on him. What do you guys think? I agree. I think truther. Yeah, I agree. Agreed as well. This was the first week. I'll, I'll listen to the GM shuffle with Michael Lombardi. And, and as obnoxious as he could be, I enjoy his show. He, he throws some good nuggets out there. But he loves be bashing guys weekly and being real strong on his points. And this was the first week that he complimented Josh Allen. Did not admit he was wrong, but finally gave him credit for being accurate. He's, you know, he said he might have won at, you know, bad throw a game, but he's really come around. So he's, he's turning everybody's heads, and including a former NFL GM. Josh Allen's just one of those players. I'm very happy if I have him, but I wasn't acquiring him in startups just because he was going QB six, seven, eight, because there's always that one person. And I was getting him QB 18, 19, 20, which obviously I always say price dependent, but Josh Allen, if I could move him for a King's ransom, sure. But I just don't think that's the case because people still don't look at him in that top tier category, but you got to start to put him there. We have to consider him. Not not elite, but I think he's one step below that because he's looked really good. And whether or not you like him from a real NFL perspective, he puts up fantasy points, and that's what we're doing here.
fantasy football. Yeah. Quick question from Colton. Do you guys think Joe Mixon in a mid first for Jonathan Taylor's fair value? I would take Jonathan Taylor in a heartbeat. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I, I actually turned down an offer of three 2021 first for Jonathan Taylor because we've talked about it. He's going to be a top six, seven, eight, top five, stop, stop uh, startup pick next year. So I, I, I think you, that's, I would acquire him at that price. And I think, I think you should too, Colton. Um, okay. So we talked about Sam Darnold. Here's a quick question for you guys. Are you delaying your decisions on if your team is a contender or not? Since every team's lineups will be changing throughout the season due to the change in IR this season, minimum of three weeks. So basically we have all these players on the roster. There's going to be such quick turnover on our fantasy rosters because boom, IR three weeks. So we don't really know who a contender is. There's teams that are three and O right now. And I'm looking at my teams that are three and O some of them, there's not a lot of depth and I don't feel comfortable there. So I, I do think I, I say the answer is yes. We have to give it a little bit more time just because of how quickly these players are turning. Whereas before it was what, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was on IR. And now it's three and it's like, okay, are they on IR for three weeks? Is it going to get delayed? Is Le'Veon Bell ever going to come back or is he missing? We don't even know. You know, so I would say yes, personally, Mitch. I would say I only look at my teams. So yes, I think it delays it, but I honestly don't care what the other 11 teams, what their roster looks like. I can only control what's on my team. So if I have depth right now, then I'm feeling great as a contender. But if I don't have depth, then I'm going to be stressing this whole season. That's why we've stressed all offseason to build with depth. Depth is going to win leagues this year. If you have to make some two-for-one or two-for-one trades or one-for-two, I guess, to get more depth on your team, then you're going to have to do it this year. Because if you don't have depth and people are beating you with Jarek McKinnon because you didn't have anybody else to play, you know, it's on you at this point. All right, so... I'm kind of looking at the the big picture. Mitch, he has his tunnel vision. He's worried about only his depth. Dan, we talked about James Robinson earlier. Let's say you believe you're a contender. Do you pull the trigger now on a, a, that type of deal? Or do you wait a little bit just to kind of see and have a better idea of how your team shapes up over the next few weeks? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm given more time. You know, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yes, John, but I, I don't know if it's so much about COVID and IRs, to Mitch's point, I'm looking at my roster. Uh, I'm evaluating so far after three weeks. I have about three rosters out of pushing 20 that I'm being patient on and evaluating that are in that 0-3, 1-2 and range that, you know, is my team a product of not enough talent versus just bad luck over three weeks? It's like the NCAA tourney, gentlemen. You just need to make the dance. So if I think that roster could still make the dance, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to panic. Um, if they're the, the, the rest of my rosters that are contenders, I don't want to be overzealous because even though they're two and one, that could turn around really quickly as well. Uh, so I'm being patient. I'm, I'm more just evaluating the talent of my roster, trying to each week improve each roster. I do spend more time on certain rosters, depending on, you know, some rosters are weaker than others. Today, I'm focused on improving a couple of receiving cores. Last week, I was improving running backs, whatever it may be. Now, I want to get through as many questions as possible, and we've had some great conversations so far. These next ones, I want to rattle through them. I think we have one, two, three quick ones. And then before we hit final thoughts, I do want to spend a little bit more time on one question. But Mitch, very quickly, Foles Trubisky, buying or selling either? I love Foles. In this offense, he is the perfect guy. I mean, Dan was all over Allen Robinson this past week. Uh, luckily enough, Foles came in, kind of bailed him out a little bit, but... He's the perfect guy. I mean, I love David Montgomery now. I wouldn't love David Montgomery with Mitch Dubisky as quarterback. I mean, Jimmy Graham right now, if he's on my roster, I'm like, hey, I'm willing to start him if Nick Foles is the quarterback. Nick Foles might not stay healthy the whole year. So going out and getting him, I maybe as a third quarterback, I'd be willing to. But I, I'm just happy because I already have a whole bunch of him on my rosters. And so I'm extremely happy right now that I just held on to him at this point. I was a little bit hesitant and worried because oftentimes you'll see a quarterback get pulled mid game and then they trot them back out there the next week to start. We heard yesterday on Monday 
Nick Foles is our starter moving forward. It's not a one-game thing. He's our starter. They were waiting for the first chance they could get. Mm-hmm. That first interception, like, okay, you're done. They were just waiting after the first two games. And you know, I, I think Nick Foles, he's going to have that opportunity to do something on offense because if if you get yanked going into the third quarter down two scores, you know that leash was very short to begin with. It really was. And I don't think Nick Foles is great by any means, but if I have a contender and maybe I only have two quarterbacks because I'm I'm stacked elsewhere, maybe I do make a move to acquire Nick Foles off of a, a rebuilding team. Trubisky, I'm going to steal Mitch's word here. He's dust. Dan, real quick, Foles, Trubisky, buy, sell. Trubs is dust. I've seen enough of Trubisky last year, the year before, sample size this year. I give Coach Nagy credit for pulling that chain as quick as possible to Mitch's point. I think the Bears did handle that right. You know, they gave Foles enough time. You know, there was a shortened training camp, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But I am very hesitant to go down this road again with Nick Foles. I, I still feel scarred from the Jaguars. Now, again, maybe he was in a bad situation there. He did excel with the Eagles in the system. He did look good and bailed me out, as Mitch said in DFS there. He helped A-Rob out. He helped Jimmy Graham, my play of the week. But I do think Foles has a reputation for coming off the bench and doing well. I do think that was a great matchup versus a horrible Atlanta defense. And, and me personally, I'm selling. I don't want either of those guys on my roster. But I do see your point. You know, Nick Foles, there's that little part of me that believes in Coach Nagy that just maybe he can milk enough out of Nick Foles to help us in fantasy somewhat. You know, I give you a little bi-week depth, but um, not a preference. I'd rather not have him. Now, the next two weeks to wrap this up, they go against the Colts and Bucks, and they rank respectively fourth and sixth in terms of defensive pass efficiency. After that, it really lightens up. It softens up. The Bears actually have the third easiest schedule per sharp football stats when it comes to defensive efficiency. So I do think the opportunity is going to be there for this offense. Another question we have, Dan, real quick. Just one more quarterback question for our listeners. I saw it in there earlier, and I think I've been seeing this every week for some reason. I think we're going to see it for the next five weeks is when is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to get benched for Tua? I still stand by the preseason answer of around that week 9-10 when they get into Arizona, the Jets, bye week Jets, and the Dolphins know they're out of the playoff picture. Unless they make some crazy run and hang in the division, they might be a little more patient. But that would be my uh, guess right now, week 9-10, 12 the latest. All right. I don't think he plays. I don't think Tua's going to play this year. That's my guess. And Fitzpatrick, he hasn't looked bad, and he's just such an easy quarterback to love. Everyone roots for him. Yeah. But everywhere he goes, he always goes in with that mindset. I know I'm a a bridge quarterback. I know I'm going to get replaced. And he's one of those guys, he's willing to take the time and help develop Tua as much as he can. And he's joking around, you know, the whole beard versus the stash thing with Minshew, throwing those playful jabs. Like, he's just such a likable guy, and you want to root for him. But I I think I'm on board with Dan. I think they do want to see potentially what they have in Tua. But would I be surprised if it went Fitzpatrick all the way through? No. Especially in 2020, nothing is going to surprise me at this point. Yeah, I think they want to get him some experience and build on, give him some game film, something to build on for next year. You know, so who knows how they play it, Mitch? I think they're definitely being very cautious and careful. I wouldn't have high expectations for fantasy football this season, uh, but at some point they got to get a look at him. This next question, and this most likely, I think it has a lot to do with week three, but. One's a little unfair just because I'm not even a huge fan of his, but he was injured. But the question is, and I'll paraphrase here, Dan, because I know how you yell at me. What the heck happened to DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Zach Moss? Now, my thoughts before I bounce it over to Mitch very quickly. DeAndre Swift, we know his role. We know he's a third down back. And if they're in the lead, his role is going to be minimized. But I believe they have – who do they have this week? Is it the Saints? They have the Saints, yeah. I think he's going to get some run. And then J.K. Dobbins, I've been saying that backfield, we really don't know how it's going to shake out on a weekly basis. We're seeing Gus Edwards more and more, who actually has looked very good. And it seems like he has over five yards per carry every single season. But J.K. Dobbins, I think he's a longer-term play, like him for Dynasty. Redraft, I still don't expect much from him. Zach Moss, admittedly, I was a little bit lower in in our projections. I had Devin Singletary ahead of him anyway, but he was injured, so we're going to give him – I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mitch, what are your thoughts overall on those three guys and their Harry Houdini-like disappearing acts? Nothing. I mean, the question is what happened to them 
nothing. They're in the same situation they were in preseason. This is why I say dynasty is redraft. People are worried about DeAndre Swift over a one-game sample when week two, he had 15 PPR points. It's We knew what was going to happen with these guys going to the season. If Adrian Peterson isn't injured, if Mark Ingram doesn't get injured, if Zach Moss is injured, these guys just aren't going to be on the field as much as Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It's just how it is, and we have to accept it. Next year, I'm all about them. Like, I think next year, J.K. Dobbins takes over the backfield. Next year, DeAndre Swift takes over the backfield. But this year, we knew it was going to happen. Although, although you got, in our listeners' defense, Mitch, this may not be challenge flag worthy because you have great points. But in our listeners' defense, it has got to be painful to watch old man Adrian Peterson come out of nowhere with, like, no practice with the Lions and jump right into the starting role over two young, talented running backs. That's a tough pill to swallow. Then you look at J.K. Dobbins. And, okay, it's one thing Mark Ingram's starting over him. But Gus Edwards, Gus Buss, man, he is getting a lot of burn over him and looking good. So I think it's more for the you know those people that have him. It hurts. We get it. You invested a lot in him. You're, you're probably in rebuild mode, and you're hoping for a quicker expectation. And Dobbins looked very good from what we've seen um, in small doses. But there are two teams right now that are in win-now mode, and they don't care about you know fantasy football and and, and – people's feelings they are out to win and Detroit I see Patricia handling it like New England and he wants to grind and he wants to win games and he's going to utilize Peterson and try to control the tempo of the game so I think you just got to be patient be patient whatever your preseason evaluation was like Mitch said it can be disheartening it can be frustrating but we kind of expected this we knew DeAndre Swift the situation in Detroit we knew the talent ahead of J.K. Dobbins and then Zach Moss we knew the situation with Devin Singletary all right, guys, and this is one that I might go off on a tangent or two, but somebody asked a question. When I first read it, I was like, it seems kind of silly. I don't really know how we're going to get into this, but how do you acquire pieces from awful teams? Those are their words, not mine, who are committed to trying to win. And this is what I was talking about. I think it's very difficult to look at your roster and say, okay, this is not a contender. If you ask most people, especially the first year after a startup draft, most people would say that they have at least a decent chance of competing and contending for a championship in year one. And the reality is that's not the case. So I think to answer this question, how do you acquire pieces from a bad team that thinks they are competing? You have to wait a few weeks. They have to see, hey, I'm one in five. I'm, I'm two in six. I'm last in points. And I think eventually maybe you know they're going to get a little frustrated and that might be the time to pounce and get a solid return. Dan and Mitch, you see in our leagues, we're three weeks in. People are frustrated. They want to sell off those high-end assets, and they're not getting the return they want, so they're stuck with them. Now, if you're a bad team, be ready to make those moves because the longer you wait, the less leverage you have. If I, it, Mitch, if I look at your team and you're one in seven, eight weeks in, and you're like, hey, I want to move these players, you better believe I'm coming in a little bit low than what I might I might be willing to move typically. So I think, you know, you, you have to be able to do that. And then one last thing before I bounced over you, Dan, I saw it in the chat so many times in the last week in different leagues. Okay, guys, I'm 0-2. I have these couple pieces. If I lose the next few weeks, I'll be looking to move them. Why are you waiting? If you think you do not have a roster to compete, do one of two things. You can better your situation to compete in 2020, or you can gain value through multiple trades. And I think that's a big mistake that people make because you're not being proactive. You got to be proactive and you're putting yourself in a situation where you lose all leverage. Be willing to make those moves. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. I made a move with you, Mitch. I moved Kenyon Drake and Travis Kelsey in a 14-team Superflex tight end premium league. I got Lamar Jackson, Chase Claypool in a second, I believe. My starting tight end is Vance McDonald, but that team was going nowhere. So be willing to make those uncomfortable moves. If you're not contending your roster, it doesn't matter who's starting for you. That's kind of my rant. And I think I kind of hit on the, the question here, but Dan, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm going to keep it simple. That was a great answer. JB you actually surprised me a little bit. Cause I know your patience isn't as, uh, you know, large as Mitch and I's and you get a little impatient with people sometimes in the league. Have, have, you, been talking, have you been talking to my wife about my, my level of patience? <laughs> 
that was secret, but um, no, no, but that, that, that was great advice, John. And I, I just say to our listeners, it is a test of endurance. It is a test of people skills along the way. It is easy to get frustrated sometimes, especially when you know you're even trying to help an owner. You're looking for that win-win deal and they're just not ready. But it's important to know there's not a one-size-fits-all. Some owners go AWOL for the longest time and then they come back. But just don't burn any bridges because you never know when there is going to be that opportunity to make a deal with the owner that you thought you would never make a deal with and then it helps your team. So hang in there. You guys answered this perfectly. The only thing I'll add is people are going to orphan. And that's the truth of it. There are really bad teams who are going to stay bad and try to win this year. And they're not going to be around next year. I I think average is one to two in every single dynasty league. And that's just something that you're going to have to deal with unless you're playing with people, you know, that have been the league for the last five years. You know, people are going to leave and they're going to leave really bad teams. You know, it sucks that it happens and you hope it doesn't, but that's just the reality of dynasty football. All right, Zach, if you're still in the chat, when we do our closing thoughts, I'm going to hit on your question there. Matt threw in there trade alert. He just got offered Ezekiel Elliott for DK Metcalf and Austin Eckler full PPR dynasty. Um, Thoughts? I think I'll take DK and Eckler. Painfully, I'd have to agree. Oh. I mean, pe- people are already talking about DK being a top five dynasty receiver, and He's that's a conversation for a different day. He's looked Lock incredible. I, they're both incredible. And his skill set, it is perfect. And somebody had a tweet. Oh, my goodness, who was it? And they said, would we be saying, because you always know people say, oh, 31 teams passed on this player. Would we be saying that if he didn't play for the Seahawks and didn't have the perfect quarterback to compliment him? And it's going to... I wish I could give credit to whoever it was, but it got a lot of traction on Twitter. It was a great tweet, but I think that's a really good point. And they just compliment each other so well. But Matt, we're going with DK and Eckler. So hold off on Zeke there. All right, Dan, we're going to bounce it over to you. Final thoughts. What do you have for our listeners tonight? Hey, per everything we've touched on, this is strategic trade week here in week four. I'm sure it will be again in week five, but now is the time to find teams that are looking to rebuild and teams and or teams are looking to win now and find ways to help your squad. Evaluate the roster, see which teams fit in those categories. Try to maybe buy the Joe Mixons or the DJ Moores that you just, the timing may be right for you. So be active on the trade market. It's a good thing. Yeah. I'll just piggyback off what Dan said. When you're in these leagues, now is the time to know. You should know it already, but know how draft picks are done. If it's done off standings, if it's done off potential points, whatever the reason is, there's so many leagues that you could get an advantage just by knowing how the draft picks are acquired. Any of our listeners that are in any of the safe leagues, so if you're in the Scott, I'm doing it, Mitch. I'm, I'm going to help because if you're listening to I, I hate it, because there's, I, but I appreciate that. I appreciate people taking the time out to listen to us and and joining us and talking about fantasy football. Fine. If if you're in any of the safe leagues that are run by Scott Fish and his team, remember, if you finish dead last, the, the first nine draft picks are based on potential points. So you could get in the playoffs. You could lose in the semifinals. And still potentially, if you have your first round draft pick, depending on potential points, you could get the 101. So keep that in mind because you might have a team, you might have a manager in your league that is in the playoffs and they have a garbage team and you look at their potential points and maybe, well, I guess at that point, the trade deadline would have passed. But if it's right before the playoffs, don't be afraid to target their first. Oh, well, they're going to go in the playoffs. They're locked into that at least six or seven spot. No, the way that lines up this year, in those safe leagues, the bottom nine teams are all in the potential points for the 101 to the 109. So keep that in mind. And then my final thought here, this is to answer Zach's question. How, how do you balance being in 20 plus leagues? And I think the big thing, you have to have a certain cadence and kind of a schedule on a weekly basis. Mitch and Dan, I've told you this. It's either Tuesday morning or Monday night after Monday night football kicks off on my fantasy league. All the projections are up for the following week. I go through, I set preliminary lineups. It takes me quite some time. As news comes out, going into the Thursday game, I make sure nobody that's out for Thursday, maybe I change my mind on a Thursday player. And then again, Sunday morning. And I'm always tinkering a little bit here and there, but make sure you have a schedule. There's different tools out there. 
dynastyplanet.com. It shows you all of your roster ship. It shows you if you click on a player's name, they might have a caution sign. They might have a exclamation point that's red because they're out. You click on their name. It tells you where you still have them in, their, in your starting lineups. So there's so many good tools. The stickyboard.com. That's one that's really helped us out. It shows you if there's any trades outstanding because I've left trades open for two, three, four days because I simply forgot about it. But there's a lot of good tools out there. So if you're in multiple leagues, heck, if you're in five leagues, there's still things that can help you guys out. Do you have anything else to add there? Just because I think it is important. You hear 20 plus leagues, Dan, you're crazy. That has to be overwhelming. So, but I think just having kind of that, that schedule and the level of preparation is key. I just like busting your chops. I'm sure with my DFS, it's probably equivalent of uh, all the dynasty teams you have. But for our listeners, John was saying tools. There are tools for your tool bet, not tools, just just in case you didn't understand them. <laughs> but great advice. I'm happy you're helping our listeners tonight, JB. The one thing I'll add is everyone always brings up, well, what about the waiver wire? There's only one or two pickups on waivers in Dynasty anyways each week. It's not hard to go on my fantasy league. You're probably on Sleeper. Do a player search, see if he's available, make a claim. It takes 10 minutes a morning and I have 40 teams. It doesn't take a long time at all to set waivers. So, I mean, the longest part is just going and seeing your scores throughout the week, seeing the updated standings. I mean, that's the only thing that takes a while, but that doesn't even really matter. I used to hate Tuesdays for fantasy football because if you're just playing redraft, it's okay. Game Sunday and Monday, nothing Tuesday. Wednesday, waivers go through Thursday, football again. But now Tuesdays, you look at the updated standings. And Mitch, you're on mute again, I think. Oh, I was just going to say it's trade day. Like That's the thing is when you're in this many dynasty leagues, Monday game's over. You have trades when you wake up Tuesday morning. It's Man, I'm going to be in probably double the amount of leagues next year, to be honest. I don't think it's... Being in 40 leagues isn't that big of a deal. It's, you know, you just set the lineups for 30 minutes and you get ready to watch the games. And if Mrs. Sorensen is listening to this, uh, Mitch's wife, uh, he's just kidding about those extra leagues. Free leagues. Free. Oh, free. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Of course. All right. Well, this was a really fun episode. We love the questions. We'll probably rule this out a few times during the season because let's be honest, when the season is going on, it is tough to come up with dynasty content. But Dynasty, we always say it's so important to look at short and long-term values. And whether you want to believe it or not, the values are changing constantly. They really are. And whether it's perceived or not, that's a different story. But we love these questions. We love everybody being engaged in the live chat. We'll be back next week, same exact time, same bat time, same bat channel. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at DynastyTheoryFF. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night.